Welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 45. And uh, we're returning to our standard format for tonight's show. Uh, We'll have a classic run coming from The Hulk magazine, issue 15. And uh, the conclusion of our modern run, which was Charlie Houston's first arc, The Bottom, part 6. So, grab your issues out, strap in. Sit back, relax, and get your conchie on. Yes, loony listeners, welcome back. Thank you for joining us on Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ray. Uh, Connor is away this episode, uh, so he's floating around in the other void. Uh, Hopefully he will come back soon. But in his stead, we have the power of Chad back with us. Uh, Chad, how are you? Doing just fine. How about you? Yeah, doing doing very well. I'm looking forward to these issues coming up. Um, They're always fun, the classic ones. And as you know, well, um, you're... You're a big uh, Charlie Houston fan yourself, aren't you, Chad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, we have the last part of his um, first arc, The Bottom, which wraps things up and and wraps things up quite well, I think. Um, Yeah, so just before we go into that, look, we have hardly any news. But um, uh, first of all, Chad, what's been doing? Um, Yeah, how things been going? Pretty good, pretty good. Packing up, getting ready to uh, move to a different town. Um, oh, wow. Where are you going to? Oh, from and to uh, for the loonies. Moving from Port Angeles over to a place called Squim. Okay. Is that a, is that a bigger town or is it far away? Uh, it's just the other town over. It's actually a little bit smaller, but way mm-hmm. closer to work. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. I um, I know how hard it can be if you live a little far away from work. Uh, it used to take me about one and a half hours to get to work every day. It was a bit of a slog. Um, but yeah, we moved as well. Um, have you have you packed up all your comics? Yeah, they're out in the garage, just waiting to uh, get in the truck. <laughs> It's um yeah it's funny do you um do you have the long boxes or do you use short boxes or I've seen other loonies actually use uh, non standard boxes as well I mean do, how, how well do you take care of your your comics honestly short boxes and not as well as I like <laughs> yeah yeah I've got short boxes as well um, there's always the the constant um, need to go and get more bags and boards. Um, although I'm trying to make a concerted effort to to bag and board every Moonlight issue I have, um, but the others actually have to take a a, a back um, a back seat. Have you got any um, any pearls in there, Chad? Have you got any really um, like valuable issues these days? Um, not exactly. It's primarily sentimental value, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. I mean, like. Um, uh, you know, I'm not sure. are you a are you a collector? Like, or I mean, you, or you, it's mainly just for reading. It's primarily just for reading. Mm. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, myself as well. I don't, um, I don't slab any comics or anything like that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's great. I remember one of our loonies um, showed his, uh, it's either his living room, I think, or man cave, and he had uh, hung up all his, his slabbed comics. Most of them were Moon Knight, actually. They were really, it was really good. But, um, yeah, I mean, during the, during the years, uh, stumbled across, you know, just, just usually um, collecting them, stumbled across uh, some value, valuable ones now. Um, I, I went to my parents' place a while ago and I, I took back a lot of comics that I had still stashed over there and I found uh, first appearance at Deadpool, which was cool. Um, I think first um, appearance at Cable, you know, I was in the New Mutants or, or something. Um, Gambit as well, that was that was a good run as well. So, yeah, little uh, <laughs> little gems seem to pop up here and there, but the Moon Knights don't seem to um, <laughs> don't seem to be as as valuable. They have a very a very high sentimental value. But um, what, what other comics do you have? Uh, well, to be completely honest, when it comes to the comics, I'm I'm kind of out on my own. I I really enjoy the goon. Oh yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. and also enjoy uh, hillbilly. I've been reading those a lot lately. Uh are they? Um, it's by Powell, right? Is it Eric Powell? Yep, Eric Powell. Does he do the goon as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I, I was, um, I'm familiar of the, you know, of the goon, um, and they almost, or they're in the works of making that into a, a movie or something. I hear. Yeah, it's uh, supposed to have Paul Giamatti and uh, ah. Clancy Brown. Okay. Uh, Clancy Brown rings a bell, but I definitely know uh, Paul Giamatti from uh, the Rhino, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he'll be good. He's a great actor. Um, and, uh, and Hillbilly, I got issue one, um, very cool, actually. Um, you actually really do enjoy that. Um, where's that up to now? They just released 10. I think it was last week. Okay. So still quite, um, still quite new and fresh compared to the goon. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, I know that you're a big, well, I'm assuming you're a big Spawn fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you you would have gotten Spawn 1 onwards, right? To be completely honest, I haven't actually collected Spawn. I've just, you know, Ah. actively read it when it's come out. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, I mean, there you go. As long as you're up to date with the the stories and stuff, that's that's good. Uh, And we spoke a bit earlier, um, just off air, about... um, I mean, look, we both collect digital comics as well, and and you mentioned there was a, a recent sale on Comicsology. Yeah, there was a big open free invitation to a like quite a few comics just yesterday. Okay, it's actually Rebecca that pointed that out to me. Oh right, is it still going? Or um, I'm not sure. I just have this recent okay. flood of comics that just. Right. I took them all. Yeah, and oh, just finally as well, um, Chad as well. I, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna spring this on you as well. Um, you may have noticed recently we've done some Isla Ra uh, comics, and we've had guests coming on just to give their you know their top four it has to be like top four single issues. 
Um, we're currently kind of collating some interviews with some cool, uh, cool and hip loonies. So a few of them um, actually put their hand up. I, I posted something on Facebook. And uh, yeah, just wondering, Chad, would you be keen to do this as well? Uh, what was that exactly? <laughs> um, they're basically, uh, it's kind of like, okay, so one of our episodes will dedicate, I'm thinking maybe once a month or twice a month, depending on how many we get, on um, on inviting loonies onto the show and giving us their, basically their Desert Island comics. What are the four comics of all time that you would take to a desert island, or Isla Ra, as I like to call it? Um, what are the four comics that you'd like to take to that island uh, if they were the only four comics you could take with you? And it's a, it's a really fun way of actually... Um, you know, I don't know, just getting to know the loonies a bit more, but also seeing how diverse a taste there is across the board. Um, and, you know, I, I, um, I reckon it'd be pretty fun to, to find out what your top four books would be, Chad. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Excellent. Yeah, well, um, all right, well uh, I'll have to speak to you a little later after the show and um, we can, we'll see if we can find a time to, to record it. Uh, it is quite fun because these Isla Ra episodes are kind of like standalone. I mean, like we usually don't report on the latest news and stuff. It's um, uh, We just keep it contained to finding out more about the loonies, like how you, you come into comics, and which I think we have discussed already um, just briefly when you when you first came on the show. Uh, but, you know, how you got into Moon Knight, you know, all that sort of stuff. So uh, a lot of fun to do. And uh, we try to incorporate a bit of theatrics into it as well. So might have you on at the Grant Mansion or um, or I might have you at Jenna's Diner, as we had lately, uh, with Rick. Uh, yeah, just a bit of fun. So uh, excellent. Let's, let's organise that. Hi, this is Phil Parrish from the Caves and Lunatics podcast, a proud member of the collective. And you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Um, all right, well, loonies, as I mentioned, there is not much news at all this week. Um, we have here Marvel nine characters confirmed for Phase Four, and there are like twenty or so characters, <laughs> like either confirmed or rumored for Phase Four. And our boy Looney, sorry, not not Looney, our boy Mooney comes in at number ten, I think. Um, you know, again, the same sort of spiel of how, um, well, how Kevin Feige name-dropped him, um, kind of didn't commit, but, you know, made a insinuation that he might be coming, you know, anywhere from 5, 10, 15 years. Uh, so it's nothing we haven't heard before, but it's good to see that Moon Knight is still mixing it amongst the, uh, the rumor mill. Uh, there are a couple of really good ones here, Chad, as well. I, um... If we just quickly go through from the top, like, you know, obviously Spider-Man, that's confirmed. He'll he'll be, um... What do you think of Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio? Well, I'm way, way up in the air about it because I'm... He's kind of a presence and facial feature type actor. Like, yeah. that's what he relies on. And yeah. <laughs> with Mysterio being in a bubble... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, unless they massively alter Mysterio's costume, which, I mean, it is so iconic having that kind of fishbowl on his head. Uh, so it will be... And, and even if they do show his face in that fishbowl, 
he'll kind of look like Buzz Lightyear, I, I reckon. So. Well, I mean, with Mysterio relying on illusions, I yeah. guess he could use the fishbowl to project his face and get all terrifying. Yeah, true. And, um, yeah, exactly. They could twist it in that sort of way, and, and maybe even it just being a, um, a reference to the fishbowl somehow. Um, but who knows? But um, that was confirmed, wasn't it? Or is it just a really heavy rumour? It's confirmed. It is confirmed. He's going to be in for Homecoming 2. Okay. And how do you feel about Jake now, unless, of course, he double dips, being off the cards as Moon Knight? Well, I'm one of the ostracized, and uh, I actually wasn't really wanting Jake to come in as Mooney. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, he's a he's a solid enough, he's a great actor, and, and he has a physique for it, Um but yeah, I think there are there are plenty of options out there, so I'm not too fussed um, if Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't become Moon Knight. If he did, I'll, you know, I think that would be great as well. But um, yeah, I, you know, if I had the choice between Moon Knight and Mysterio, you know, I reckon there'd be no no contest there. Um, anyway, we also have a rumor for Miss Marvel. Did you hear about this, Chad? They were mentioning, I think, Kevin Feige said that there was a big potential that she might be, like, in the Captain Marvel film? Yeah, he didn't say exactly what kind of role she was going to be in or if it was a guaranteed in, mm-hmm. but he was commenting that, you know, Miss Marvel, or Kamala Khan, Miss mm-hmm. Marvel, <laughs> yeah. was uh, definitely on the table for getting into the films. Yeah. It would be great. I mean, she has become such a popular character. Uh, do you collect any of Miss Marvel stuff? Nope. Mm-hmm. I'm more of those people again. No, look, there's nothing wrong. I mean, as well, I, I, I think it caters towards, a, you know, a, a type of audience as well. And it's, you know, a younger... I mean, I think. I mean, I'm sure it still uh, entertains uh, and is a good quality read as well. But, uh, of course, it's just a different flavor, isn't it? And then, you know, it doesn't mean that we all have to to read it. I I don't myself as well, but um, I hear it's pretty good. Uh, And I like the character in general. I just love... That's what I always thought about Mr. Fantastic. I think he's got such a cool power of, you know, stretching and all that. But he hardly... I don't know. It, it, the focus is more on his um, his intellect, whereas with Miss um, Marvel, she like she uses it a lot, and I love seeing that power. Um, so, yeah. Um, there's Black Panther. We have rumored, but surely that's gonna that's gonna be a sequel, um, and surely that. Um, yeah. On the topic of Black Panther, I've seen a few rumors floating around about a certain Donald Glover. Yes, I have as um, well. Coming in. Yep, yep. He's, he's a rising star, isn't he? I mean, not not that he hasn't been a star before, but I think, you know, his Lando role now in Solo. Have you have you seen Solo? Not yet. Yeah, me too. I haven't seen it yet. So don't worry, Looney's no spoilers here, because <laughs> we haven't seen it. Uh, but yeah, he's. Uh, I heard that as well. He got mentioned. Um, and I can't believe... Oh, I think it has been dropped, hasn't it? That Ryan Coogler... I mean... I thought I'd read it somewhere that um, Ryan Coogler is confirmed to be the director for the sequel. I didn't catch that part. All I saw was the uh, mention of Donald Glover coming back as, uh, what's his name? 
The Prowler. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah, because that was his role back in uh, Homecoming. He just didn't have the tech for it yet, which was kind of the uh, reference on, hey, anti-gravity boots. Right. You want to talk to me about that? (laughs) (laughs) So... So he was meant to be the Prowler. I know the Prowler's first name is a Hobie. Hobie's a Prowler. I'm not sure. I'm not, uh, he wasn't actually referenced in Homecoming, was he? Like, Spider-Man didn't actually call him by his name. But wh- No. Um, the, all they really mentioned was... Oh God. I'm trying to remember. It was it was the last name, Morales. Morales, yeah. And he talks about, man, I have a nephew in this yes. city. I gotta watch out for him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's Miles. yes. But Miles, but Miles Morales isn't related to Hobie, though, is he? Is that Hobie Brown, the Prowler? But anyway, I mean, of course I can change things, I guess. But that's exciting. Wow, if he's a Prowler, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, we've got confirmed Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think James Gunn has been quite vocal <laughs> in the fact that there'll be a third one, so no surprises there. Uh Doctor Strange, I'm assuming, will get a sequel. Uh, did you enjoy the film? The Doctor Strange film? Yeah. Yeah. I, to be completely honest, the first time I saw it, I was uh, a little inebriated. <laughs> and uh, it really worked into the trippy <laughs> physics and anti-everything. Did, did you watch it 3D? I did not, unfortunately. Okay, I thought thought that would have been even more trippy for you. Oh, yeah. That definitely would have uh, enhanced it. (laughs) Have you seen Infinity War as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I agree with what a lot of people say as well. I really loved um, Doctor Strange in Infinity War. I think it was great because you really got to see a a cachet of all, all um, all his powers. I, I enjoyed Doctor Strange, the movie, and, and, you know, every now and again I like to put it on and watch it as well. But what I found there was that it seemed that he could only do the, the portal and the and the shields and stuff, you know, a little and the whip. And, and, of course, he had the time, Eye of Agamotto. But I don't know, his power seemed very limited there. And, and granted, he was just starting out. But in Infinity War, it seemed like he was really the Sorcerer, Sorcerer Supreme. And he I loved how he did all that stuff. Um you know, the multiple, you know, illusions and, and all that. I thought that was pretty good. But, um, sorry, Chad, do you think, obviously, do you, you reckon there'll be a sequel for this? For uh, which? Uh, for Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah. Um, I believe they were talking about getting Nightmare in as the villain. Oh, he would be good. And hopefully he'd... Look, um, Mads Mikkelsen was really good, but his character... I felt was really under underdone. Um, if they do Nightmare, I hope they do something along the levels of like Hela from Ragnarok. You know, she was a kick-ass villain, um, and you could really do crazy stuff with Nightmare. So, um, yeah, Chad, uh, what do we have for fifteen? We got the confirmed Black Widow solo story, mm. and uh, let's see. I mean, that could play a lot of different roles i mean yeah when it comes to either the red room and her correlation with bucky yeah you know she makes open references and they never really connected the dots there no in the mcu they left a lot 
of their a uh, lot of uh, little breadcrumbs there, didn't they? I loved um, also her uh, relationship with Hawkeye as well. That could be obviously explored, which is really good. And um, actually coming out a bit later, it probably works in their favour because of... Uh, was that Jennifer... Gar- uh, not Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Lawrence film, uh, Red Sparrow, was it? Yeah. It seemed very kind of Black Widow-esque. So, but I, I'd be... In- I'd love to see a Black Widow um, film. Are you, uh, are you a fan of hers? Yeah. I'm pretty into the uh, Black Widow and generalized everything uh kind of over on the soviet side because i love intrigue yes like yeah spy films you know all the high-tech gadgets yeah and all the mk ultra interesting tidbits yeah i mean they kind of touched upon that in in winter soldier um like just just the kind of that that um that mood i think in the film uh but they could do so much more i think with black widow be really cool absolutely yeah uh number 14 we have uh captain marvel um and they say rumored here but she is getting her own film the next year and apparently she does play a role in avengers 4 so she's very much in um entrenched i think in phase four um yeah mm. what are your thoughts on brie larson as captain marvel well, I'm I'm torn because primarily Brie Larson does a lot of, you know, straight intrigue and, you know, not a lot of action. And yeah, she's very action oriented in the comics. Mm. Well, this this could be, um, you know, a, a, a genesis for for Brie. We could she could end up being an, a really awesome uh, action star, which would be really cool. Um I think she'll do well as Captain Marvel. I think exactly as you say, her background as an actor will kind of lend itself to to giving her that kind of gravitas. I think that Captain Marvel needs, and uh, she's look she's she's pegged to be the savior, basically. I think for the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, against Thanos. So uh, I just can't wait to see her. She's, like, she's meant to be the most powerful, isn't she? Like more powerful than Thor. Well- uh, kind of. It's kind of... So, she has this kind of passive uh, thing. It's like an empty reservoir of power, and mm-hmm. when it gets filled up, she has this uh, kind of this freak out, and she turns into this kind of dark phoenixy character called oh, Binary. Yes. Yep. And Binary is ridiculously overpowered. Yeah. Do you think we'll see... I think we'll see that in the Captain Marvel film, or maybe touch upon it? Oh, I I really hope so. That'd be really cool, isn't it? It's almost akin to like Jean Grey getting the Phoenix. Um, I don't know too much about binary, but I just all I know is that like as binary, she is way, way, way more powerful than you know her Captain Marvel guys. So uh, exciting stuff there, and I, yeah, I hope they um I hope they kind of mention that. Uh, what do we have next up here, Chad? Of course, we got Miles Morales. Oh, hang on. We the forgot. other Spider-Man. Oh, we forgot number 13. Oh, oh, never mind. Adam Warlock. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Um, Adam Warlock as well, being, um, and confirmed, which, look, he, he was mentioned at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, 
uh, and we actually saw the um, saw the race that he comes from, and and also saw the cocoon. Uh, he'll be a very interesting one. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't shown up. He hadn't shown up in Infinity War. Uh, what are your thoughts on Adam Warlock? Do you think we'll see him in Avengers Four? Well, actually, I think that we will see him in Avengers Four, just because he also has another one of those alter egos with Magus. Yes. Um, but there was kind of a thing about his appearance because, like, back when Guardians of the Galaxy first came out, the first one, mm. um, in the collector's background, everyone saw this giant yellow cocoon, and they, a lot of people assumed that, that was going to be Adam Warlock's birthing pod. That's right, yes. And as we've found out now, you know, I'll call him Adam at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a completely different look. So It is, yeah. They're kind of retconning it, aren't they? Um, or maybe James Gunn regrets having having put it as an Easter egg in the first one because, you know, fans want to see him. And, and he's, he's got an integral part to, um, to the cosmic side of Marvel, so... Just a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah, look I'm not I can't say I'm a fan of Adam Warlock or I don't hate him, but um it'd be great to to see him in the in the MCU, but I'd struggle to find how we he kind of fits unless you go totally the cosmic corner of the realm and and you know within Guardians of the Galaxy. Um yeah, I just can't imagine him kind of slotting in there yet, but but he'd have to surely because he's got a a very close tie to the Infinity Stones, um, although Gamora now has taken up the mantle of having that real connection to the Soul Gem, uh, or the Soul Stone, but we'll see. Um, and sorry, uh, Chad, you mentioned, uh, sorry to cut you there, for Miles Morales as number 12. Yeah, Miles Morales. Had you read Bendis, um, Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man? I haven't actually caught any of his like entire runs or anything. All mm-hmm. I know is a lot of the background story, and you know, I'm looking forward to the Into the Spite. Huh? What was that? Uh, sorry, what what story was that? I was just saying his uh, background story. Oh, background you know, story. His oh, okay, origin yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, on this topic, I mean, we have the Into the Spider-Verse film coming out soon. Oh, and uh, that's starring Miles Morales. Yeah. Wow, that'd be. Oh, that's the um, the animated um, film, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. <clears throat> Miles Morales again. I think similar to Kamala Khan, is quite popular, and I think Bendis is one of Bendis's, um, you know, uh, good creations and stories. Uh, uh, really fun character. Um, I only picked up a few issues here and there. He's, he's very cool. Uh, definitely like to still see him um, actually on the on the big screen. So uh, yeah, we'll just have to we'll just have to see how. I mean, it all based. I guess it will depend on the success of uh, Spider Man Homecoming, whatever the sequel, um, and also the Venom movie coming out as well. I'm actually uh, looking forward to that. Are you a big Venom fan as well? Uh, yeah, I'm really into Venom, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. For some reason, I don't know, I thought I would have pegged you as a Venom fan, Chad. Um, I love the whole symbiote thing, or symbiote, as they call it in the film. Um, 
don't know. It's to me, it's similar to Spawn in that sense. There's a, a symbiotic relationship. Uh, but Venom was just. Oh, I remember reading that in the nineties, and he's he's awesome. So if that if that goes well, uh, we might see a whole slew of of spider films, um, not only animated but but you know live action. Um, for number eleven, I think this is pretty cool. Uh, the The Eternals has been confirmed, and um, I'm not sure if you read the Avengers uh, back in the day there, Chad. But Cersei, she was fantastic as one of the Avengers members. Uh, and Icarus is another cool one. Um, I think you see on the article. I think you see both of them. I think that's Cersei. Um, the two figures on the left. Uh, other than that, I'm not too sure um, about the Eternals. I don't know where they. You know, I don't know their origin and, and such. But they could well be replacements for the Inhumans on the on the big screen. Chad, what do you reckon? I'm crossing my fingers. I don't know much about the Eternals, but uh, if they're going to be cosmic yep. heroes, mm-hmm. it would be nice to uh, get some kind of uh, solid backbone up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Guardians has really laid the platform, and I feel Infinity War has done, you know, has gone leaps and bounds for the Marvel Cosmic Corner, which is really, really good to see. Uh, yeah, the Eternals will take it up a notch as well. They're really super-powered, uh, really good. Um uh, and really fun characters, but, you know, not entirely well-known. Uh, number 10, we have Moon Knight, as we discussed. Um, and who do we have at number 9, Chad? Ironically enough, Mysterio. <laughs> confirmed. And, yep, confirmed as well. So, yep, I I don't know why I asked you, Chad, if, if it was confirmed or not. It was in this article, but I must have forgotten. Yes, so Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Um, yeah. Take it as you as you will. Um, the next one, rumored, and again, this was something that Feige kind of off the hand, or off the cuff, kind of mentioned in an interview. We have Nova, and uh, he'll be, you know, if we're talking cosmic stuff, Chad, Nova would be fantastic. Already kind of referenced in the Guardians with a Nova core at Xandar, um, but whether or not we get Richard Ryder or Sam Alexander, we'll just have to wait and see. Fingers crossed that we we get nova at all um have uh have you been reading nova or or are you a big fan um pretty much i've only really caught nova when he's entered into other stories yeah i haven't read the you know actual continuation or anything right but based off of what i know about them i think i would prefer to get richard Ryder. richard Ryder seems to have uh well, there's a bit of tragedy there with him as well. It seems to have a little bit more depth, I guess, only in the sense that I guess he's been around a bit longer. But, um, yeah, I was familiar with, with Nova only through the New Warriors. I used to collect um, the Mark Bagley, I think Fabian Nicieza um, run in the 90s, and Nova, Richard Ryder was part of that. Um, really cool cool power set. Um, you know, the whole backstory of being literally kind of like the Green Lantern Corps, right? Like the peacekeepers of the of the galaxy. Um It'll be a lot of fun to see. And uh, let's just go through these. We're heading up towards one. Who have we got next here, Chad? We have uh, MJ. Mm-hmm. And I think no surprises here. I mean, she just revealed herself uh, at Homecoming. I mean, surely you'd think that she'd get more screen time in the sequel. Um, 
And she's played by... What's her name? Is it Zen, Zendaya? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she's a... Isn't she like, you know, she's an upcoming star, isn't she? I don't know. I've lost touch with this younger generation, Chad. <laughs> well, you're making a new one, so... <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Um, and anyway, ooh, if we go to number six, this is a cool one. Rumoured, I, ho- I wish it was confirmed, uh, Blade. And we have um, we have Wesley Snipes knocking on the door, wanting to be involved in some capacity. He was a cool Blade back in the day. Uh, I'd love to see Blade back. I mean, there's been a, a long enough break um, from vampires, I think. I think we need to bring him back. Um, what do you reckon, Chad? Well, I mean, funny you should be talking about vampires coming back. Um one of the Sony films coming out in the future is going to be uh, Morbius. Oh, really? And, well, not confirmed, but they've been doing heavy talks about it. Oh, fantastic. And, you know, they're doing a whole, like, darker side for the Sony films. So, fingers crossed. But on the topic of Blade, um, yeah, the Snipes was the Blade I grew up with, mm. even though... You know, he's actually British and dresses a tad different. Yeah. But I would really like to see a Blade come back, uh, yeah. whether it's him or his daughter or anything. Yes. I just... Well, there's... I'm kind of into... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. I was about to say, well, that kind of... That fizzled out, didn't it? I was looking forward to that comic series. Um, they mentioned it ages ago of, uh, yeah, Blade's daughter taking up the mantle and Blade kind of... I guess, training her and all that. Um, I read an article, I think it was from the writer or something, and he explained the whole thing, how it kind of just basically died in the ass. But, um, yeah, it was a real shame because Blade has been popping up, like, you know, in Damnation, uh, in Spirits of Vengeance, which was a a, a limited run um, earlier this year. Uh, So he he just needs to be exposed a bit more, I think, and a movie would be great. Or, or like a Netflix show, I reckon that would be that would work. Yeah, just a few episodes at a time. Yeah, just kind of filling in where the uh, MCU just kind of leaves stuff in the dark, so to say. Yeah, exactly. And uh, okay, so we we're coming down to our final five here. We got confirmed Aunt May, and again, no surprises there. Look, she was a. One of the main support casts of the of Homecoming, so she's going. Uh, number four, Chad, this is a big one. I'd like to see this. What do we have at number four? She-Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon this would be great. Um, I don't know, jury's out yet whether, I don't know whether a movie or a, a TV series would do well. I, I tend to be, I tend to want to see her turn up in the movies. Um, what do you reckon? I would rather see her in the movies. Mm. Like I can already see a very troubled Banner, kind of stuck. You know, does he help? You know, his cousin get you know his blood transfusion, mm. knowing the problems that arise. Yeah, yeah, just that kind of pensive moment. Maybe he's sweating about. Ah, maybe we don't need another Hulk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, and I think she's her character is a lot more malleable than say Bruce Banner's and. We've seen the Hulk tested in the past um, with with standalone movies, and 
Unfortunately, they don't seem to carry as well as some other uh, comic book films. But with uh, Jennifer Walters and the fact that she kind of retains her smarts and that she's a lawyer as well, and that there's a bit of a quirky um, side to it, I reckon it could really work. Uh, so I reckon she's got a better shot at it than, say, the Hulk films. Um, I did like Ed Norton as the Hulk, and I enjoyed, to an extent, Ang Lee's one, but um, but they were both flawed films. Um, so it would be good to see a Hulk done right uh, on the big screen. Uh, so top three confirmed. We have the Vulture. He was just, <clears throat> I don't know he was just fantastic. I think he was one of the standouts for for Homecoming. So again, you'd want to be throwing some money at Michael Keaton to reprise his role. Um, and I'll leave the last two to you, Chad, because these are cool. Well, we got Captain Britain, which oh, yeah. I know will appeal to a certain loony. <laughs> yes. He's pretty pretty cool. And um, does it say here, because uh, Orlando Bloom actually put his hand up and he actually wants to give it a go. Uh, you know, he'd have to bulk up big time, I think. Uh, unless, of course, they, you know, reimagine the character. But I'd love to see Captain Britain um, on there. I love the, the connection to Merlin and that English mythology. Uh, so, and the, and the fact that his powers are based on confidence um, I reckon that'd be really cool. And and he's got a tie also... Oh, I was about to say Cosmic Chad, but I think it's more mystical. Well, usually when it comes to like the stuff that was going on with Excalibur, mm-hmm. it's a lot more mystical. Yes. But that goes along with, you know, the demographic is primarily catering towards the mystical aspects of, you know, yep. the history of Britain. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's supposed to be the uniting force of the world and yes yeah true. hence why there was one of the uh sanctums for dr strange over in london yes but which makes sense yeah yeah <clears throat> and uh yeah and then finally chad we have number one rumored that's a bit strange very strange uh we got bucky the winter soldier <laughs> yes very popular character uh he's really sebastian stands really kind of coming into his own i think with this and um i think it's thanks a lot to the uh the movies that the winter soldier and bucky has uh has risen in in profile in the comics well between the movies and you know he has a long history as both hero villain yeah and i'm i'm a huge bucky supporter oh yeah like and the fact that they're marking him up as rumored is kind of... I know, it's weird. Like, well, I, I, I have like three more movies yeah. that he's been signed on to, and they just have yet to announce them. Well, the, yeah, that, I mean, so that's pretty silly. So we know that it's confirmed he's part of three, unless, of course, he tears up his contract. But, um, yeah, and there's speculation either him or, or Sam Wilson may take up the shield of Captain America, which is an exciting thing. But in his own right, as Winter Soldier, he was, oh, man, he was like the Terminator. He was great uh, in, in the Winter Soldier movie, Captain America 2. Uh, very deadly. Um, you know, if he's on your side, you know, you've got a good you've got a good soldier there. Um, and it's great to hear as well, uh, Shuri, like, kind of cured him of his, uh, uh, what do you call it, being triggered by, by that... By that book, um, 
So it was the uh, I'm trying to remember the like the special program it was that they called it, but it was Lo- basically just MK Ultra. Yeah, you know, Soviet technology just kind of implementing layers of yes. false memories to being yes a soldier for him. Yeah, that's a that's a trivia question right there, loonies. <laughs> so, what was that program called? I've got no chance. I thought it was um, Leviathan, but I think that's from Agent Carter, which I don't know. Anywho, though, that was the the news there, loonies. Uh, very small on Moon Knight, but it was fun to actually go through these rumors. I think, um, and to see what's coming up ahead in the MCU. Uh, so. Connor, I think... Not Connor. Oh my gosh, it's just rolled off the tongue. Chad, the power of Chad. I think it's time to go over the moon. (gasps) Yes, we are over the moon here. Um, You are with your high priest of Conchu Ray and the power of Chad, our loony co-host... And we are looking at our classic run and our modern run, as spoken of at the beginning (laughs) of the show. Uh, And the first one that we'll look at is our classic run. Uh, And uh, I've got a bare bones for this, so I'll do a a live reading. Why not? And it is for The Hulk magazine, Volume 1, Issue 15. Uh, These were the backup stories. Um, Oh, actually, and before we go into that, um, Chad, I believe you read the whole issue, the Hulk issue as well. All of it. Yeah, that's cool. Like so, Looney's just letting you know that Chad has done more homework than I have. So, so well done, Chad. Um, just before we get into the Moon Knight um, backup story, uh, how did you find the, the the first story? Give us a, a summary of what happened in the Hulk story, just out of interest. Well, it basically starts out with Bruce Banner trekking out into the middle of the desert where uh, he stashed a bunch of tech. He's trying to cure himself of being the Hulk, and uh, partway through the uh, entire procedure, he uh, hulks out and destroys the tech in a fit of rage. And, you know, typical Hulk, puny banner, try to kill Hulk. This is last time. And then he promptly destroys Banner's car, and then kind of chuckles at, heh, now Banner has to walk. <laughs> And from there, he basically jumps off into the distance, assuring that even more so, mm-hmm. you know, he'd have to walk even farther. <laughs> and uh, lands in a military complex where they're doing a uh, kind of cybernetic... Um, what's the right term? Well, I was comparing it earlier to being the Jaeger program mm. from Pacific Rim. Yeah. And basically, you know, they experiment on neurons firing the brain, different parts of the body, and, you know, it's three guys trussed up in uh, suspension tanks, and they're controlling three very viable um, cybernetic humanoids. Uh, They're bipeds, you know, shaped like a human, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they got... All sorts of crazy enhancements to strength, and they can fire electricity, and oh. all these <laughs> assorted things. And uh starts with, you know, just the higher-ups patting each other on the back. Oh, well done. <laughs> and then it boils down to, all of a sudden, the Hulk's there. 
trash in the place. And it's not like he was even there on purpose. He just landed there. <laughs> Jumping away. And uh, so basically he starts getting into this fight with uh, one guy after trying to escape the entire complex. Uh, fights this seemingly well-to-do guy. Uh, it's just that, you know, bad timing. <laughs> and uh, one of the drawbacks of being in this suit is the fact that it will actually harm you based off of the whole harming the cybernetic uh, oh. suit. So as the Hulk just lays into this guy, you know, he's like getting crippled up in the tank and he is like wincing and falling to his knees. It's like, Oh, so the Hulk's just going to do this now. <laughs> but the Hulk is stopped in time. He's not, too badly you know destroyed or anything yeah but you know he runs off into the desert once again <laughs> the hulk <laughs> there you go it's um it sounds like a fun fun read i'm just as you were describing it i'm, I'm just flicking through the images here and it looks pretty um looks pretty fun it's a, it's a sizable story it's about 40 pages um, so it's, it's greater than your, I don't know, I guess it would be classed as a, as an annual or something these days. Uh, but yeah, substantial, um, substantial story there. And you got Hulk battling, uh, you know, what kind of like the army military thing. So uh, apart from the robots as well. So all, all the classic traits of the Hulk here. And, and this was, um, this was also ri- written by Doug Munch. So, uh, shows a different side of Doug. But we are going to look at um, at the the backup stories, which are actually in like two main parts. And so the title is uh, An Eclipse Waning uh, slash An Eclipse Waxing. And it was released in June 1979. Writer Doug Munch, Bill Sinkovich and Bob McLeod were the artists. The colors Steve Olaf. And letterers Jim Owsley, Ed Norton, Peter Ledger. I think they did the whole magazine. And editor Rick Marshall. So, here's the bare bones. Stephen Grant intends to head out of New York to get away from the Big Apple and visit his friend Jason, a wealthy astronomer who lives out of the city on an elegant estate. As Grant brings the, the wine and greets Jason, the astronomer is keen to observe a total eclipse which will occur that night along with all its components. The first contact, initial partial phase, second contact, the totality, third contact, concluding partial phase, and finally the fourth contact. Grant spots three intruders trespassing on Jason's estate and as Jason prepares for the total eclipse ahead, Grant excuses himself and heads outside, intent on transforming into Moon Knight in order to confront and dispatch the eager criminals. As the moon slowly becomes engulfed in darkness and conscious of his waning moon strength, Moon Knight presses forward, hoping to catch up with the no-good evildoers. He comes across one of them, but is startled to find that the man himself is petrified, running from something he describes as a monster. Moon Knight trips him up with a truncheon and incapacitates him, ensuring that he no longer poses a threat to Jason and his estate. 
as the moon now becomes fully enveloped in darkness and with his strength now reverted back to normal, Moon Knight suddenly comes across a silhouette of remarkable, uh, a silhouette of remarkable strength. Moon Knight is brushed aside by this unknown being and is momentarily stunned by the force which hits him. When he recovers, he stumbles upon a freshly torn tree, the huge trunk seemingly snapped like a twig. Unbeknownst to Moon Knight, the other two trespassers lay at his feet in a ditch, and Moon Knight proceeds to call the cops for them to pick up the lone criminal whom he was able to apprehend. Grant returns to Jason, who reproaches Grant for having missed the whole eclipse which Jason had worked so hard to observe for that evening. The story is then told again from another perspective, this time from Dr. Bruce Banner. Banner is strolling in the countryside, having left New York as a precaution. Banner's transformations into the Hulk are unpredictable, and he's not taking any chances with the upcoming eclipse. Superstition or not, Banner is not taking any chances as he's fully aware of what the Hulk is capable of. As he wanders through the woods, he stumbles across three men who are looking to do no good. They discuss potentially robbing a man at his mansion, but are startled when they hear Banner accidentally snap a branch off a nearby tree. They give chase to the fleeing Banner and catch up to him, but do not realise the situation has stimulated the adrenaline in Banner's unique physiology. Before their eyes, he turns into the Incredible Hulk, and in his rage he snaps a tree in two without any effort. He grabs two of the thugs and knocks them both unconscious without even breaking a sweat. The third man escapes, and as the Hulk gives chase, the eclipse blackens to night, and it's not long before the Hulk loses his target. As he prods into the darkness, he comes across a spectre in the night. It's Moon Knight, whom we've seen before, uh, traversing the landscape. And not knowing who or what it is, the Hulk swats it away like a fly. The moon at this time slowly comes back from the darkness, which the eclipse had previously cloaked it with, and the Hulk is left pondering the actions of the moon, as Moon Knight, aka Stephen Grant, returns to Jason, who reproaches him for having missed the whole eclipse. Yes, Looney, so that was um, that was the synopsis for this backup story to the Hulk magazine, issue 15. Chad, overall impressions, what did you think? What did you make of this backup story? Like you were talking about before the show, it's a very Quentin Tarantino. Mm, yeah. And uh, I liked it. It was a different approach. And I, I'm pretty... Uh, not exactly keen on how they depicted Moon Knight because, mm-hmm. you know, he just had this burst of power only at the beginning. Yeah. And then he just kind of petered off and it, we didn't really get to see him actually enhanced. He just kind of chased him and then, you know, just got swatted. Yeah. It was almost as if, like, um, it's funny because he kept on mentioning about how the moon was tied to his strength. Um but he didn't do anything with it. And then by the time he actually got to the criminals, it was the eclipse. So he didn't have his moon strength at all. Uh, yeah, so I felt, yeah, similar to you, kind of a little short-changed at that. But, um, yeah, 
Yeah, I um I enjoyed it as well. Like, like you said, I thought it was a a very innovative way of of telling the story. Um, back in that back in nineteen seventy nine, um, I can only imagine uh, it would have been a very cool way to tell it um, from two distinct perspectives, but telling the one story. Uh, yeah, as you're saying, very Tarantino esque. Uh, a very self contained story. So this was um, a nice <clears throat> a nice little one shot. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, enjoyable nevertheless, uh, not too much at stake here. I think only the tree, um, was the victim. <laughs> um, uh, the criminals were, were just knocked unconscious, uh, and they were just nothing criminals, weren't they? They were just three goons, uh, walking through the woods, uh, wanting to rob, uh, like, you know, Jason. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, as listeners know or if you are listening for the first time after we talk about the synoptis we'll go into our four main aspects um so the first one i put down chad as uh i think that the eclipse was one of the main main subjects of this this story um it played a role in um in various things but uh it, it was good to get a bit of an educational lesson from jason about the um about the the steps of the eclipse, um, had you have you witnessed a total eclipse before? Yeah, um, let's see. I think it was about four years ago, roughly. I'm terrible at time, but uh, yeah, I was out camping at Fort Warden with my wife's family. Okay. And, yeah, just went out to the bunkers and checked it out. It, okay. it was real. You can actually feel the warmth. Oh, right. During the the uh, eclipse, and that was interesting. Oh, that's good. Did you feel your strength uh, waning or waxing, or, or what? <laughs> did you did you find a, a distinct uh, degradation of your of your strength? Uh not just just my eyesight. <laughs> true, true. Well, you could have had moon knot right in front of you. You never know. <laughs> you wouldn't even know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how dark and how dark did it get. Was it like? Uh, well, it's out in the middle of the woods, mm. and you know it's camping, like I said, and it's already pretty dark. So yeah. you know, any light at all turns out to be a lot more than you'd really need. Yeah, okay. Because I'm just thinking of uh, I remember going caving, and when you go deep into a cave and there's absolutely no light at all, it is literally just pitch black. Like you, you could wave your hand in front of your face and not even see it at all. Um, I'm just wondering if it, it reached that level of, uh, of absolute darkness in the woods as well. I mean, look, I don't know. There's some a lot of incidental light, I guess, somewhere. But if the moon is totally blocked out, I'm assuming then that you know it's all it's all dark. Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> um, yeah. So we find the total eclipse is uh, it plays a, a big role. Not only does it um, motivate Stephen Grant to go visit Jason uh, up at his estate because Jason being an astronomer is into this sort of thing so this is the this is the trigger that actually starts the the um the thing the story not only that but the eclipse affects Moon Knight as we mentioned his strength is um affected by the you know the 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 moon um, but not only that as well, we also find, um, you could argue as well, the three um, criminals have taken advantage of the eclipse to um, to sneak up on the estate as well. 
and then you also have the confrontation between the Hulk and Moon Knight when it is a, a total eclipse. Um, so the Hulk not being able to recognize what was in front of him. Similarly, Moon Knight not knowing that it was the Incredible Hulk in front of him. And uh, and for a brief moment, they cross paths um, and understandably Moon Knight comes out second best. Uh, so yeah, the Eclipse plays a, a big part in this, um, and I like the way that Munch has, um, has incorporated this into the story and incorporated it into Moon Knight. And uh, that kind of leads into um, what we mentioned before as well, about the second aspect of Munch's inventive storytelling. So um, for those that don't know Chad, uh, maybe could you explain when we say something's very Tarantino-esque, um, what are we kind of getting at well it starts out with one part of a story and it explains a little bit of what's going on and then it basically cuts back in time or forward depending on you know what film or show whatever Mm -hmm. and uh it basically explains it from another perspective getting to that same point Mm. and it's a great way to show more of that story and the situation with, without having to just do one character's drawn-out point of view. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell... Yeah, exactly. You can tell more of the story. You can create more empathy for characters. Um, if we were to just read the first part of this story, it would just be left at Moon Knight just being hit by something and, uh, you know, couldn't care less what it is. It could be a bear or something. Um, but we actually find out that. And... Uh, and it, to me, also, Chad, it, it's kind of like the MCU in a way as well. It's kind of like a, if you view it like a, um, is it a macro macro universe? Uh, in the fact that um, you do get that same satisfaction where you relate to something because you you've seen it before, like in the story before, you relate to it in the second story, and it kind of ties up. So similar to how like the MCU movies. Uh, they kind of overlap and not necessarily a same storyline, but the fact that you do get references to things that you have formed, uh, you know, formed an attachment to in another, in another story, if that makes sense. But, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, very cool by much storytelling as well as, um, as we mentioned, his use of the eclipse. Um, I thought the, uh, I thought, though, the use of the Hulk was a little um, a little wasted in the fact. I mean, we get the the reasoning that Ban is moving away from the city because he knows that the eclipse is going to start, and this is another reason for the eclipse being part of the story. He knows the eclipse is going to um, going to commence, and he's a little superstitious. He doesn't know what's going to happen whether he'll transform into the Hulk or not. So his idea is to get away from New York, so he'll minimise the damage. Um, But yeah, I found, uh, I don't know, I found it a little thin as to, I I found it like maybe Munch was really just trying to clutch at straws here as to try and get Moon Knight and and, uh, the Hulk to to cross paths. Um, What do you reckon? Well, it's kind of going off of the whole, yeah, superstition with, uh, you know, the Hulk. Mm. I thought that was kind of weird for Banner, of all people, to be superstitious. Yeah, yeah. 
That's it. But at the same time, yeah. hard to tell with the Hulk. Yeah. I, I think it's very much um, the editor saying, look, uh, we've had some success with Moon Knight with his previous appearances in the Hulk magazine. Let's get them to cross paths. And Doug, over to you. <laughs> and he's come up with a story. Because this could have well been... Um, I was about to say Jack Russell, another werewolf story, which would have been pretty cool. But um, I don't know how a werewolf will react or, or you know, transform in, a, in an eclipse. But um, it just seemed a bit odd that it's the Hulk. And, uh, and then to have the Hulk trundling through the woods and uh, really the amount of power that this being has um, just comes across, you know, just normal people and he just breaks a tree. It just seemed very, um, kind of very forced to me, but um, but still an enjoyable, enjoyable read. Um, that will lead, I guess, into our third aspect, which is um, we get, a, again, more of a sense that Moon Knight is part of the Marvel Universe, which is really good. Um, up until this point, his backup stories, which we've covered previously, were very standalone uh, stories. Uh, there were no real connections to any other Marvel characters, um his enemies and and villains and and they were all kind of just street level criminals uh so this is the first time that we actually see um we actually see moon knight with the hulk um i say that though i'm thinking chad we did cover the defenders um where moon knight joined kind of the group so yep yeah i'm not sure what I say there is totally true, <laughs> but uh, but he has been isolated for a while. Let's just say that. So we we get him again, some incidental connection to the Marvel universe, and it's through the Incredible Hulk, which no surprises, it's in the Hulk magazine. So um yeah yeah that was uh that was uh that was the third point, and the last one I guess would be Sinkovich's art, Chad. Now, are you a fan of of Sinkovich's? I'm sure you are. I am. Um, I like his modern stuff more than his old, you know, bits. Oh yeah, but I think that's yeah. I know more of a printing thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, very ah, oh, it's a very distinct style. Very cool. But um, I like I, I don't know. I like his classic stuff as well. Like I'm I'm looking at um, I think it's page forty two of the the digital copy, and you get very um. I don't want to say standard, but um, his facial, like the art of when he draws Stephen Grant's face, um, it's just very, yeah, it's very thing of its time, isn't it? But uh, very well accomplished. Um, even he's got the three faces of the, the criminals. Uh, this is on page 44 as Moon Knight kind of is going through the woods. Uh, very, yeah, very well detailed. Um so even early on, as a young artist, he's, he's very well gifted. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think that the musculature on some of these guys is uh, kind of skewed. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah. good at the same time. Like, it's very comical in its own way. Like, mm. that guy's jaw drooping is just unreal amounts. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like his face is stretched. Um, but again, we see a lot of... Um, I love how Sinkovich 
uses Moon Knight's cape to give the illusion of, of the moon many times. You see it either as a crescent or when he's kind of floating on his moon glider cape. Um, it kind of, yeah, forms that crescent, which is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, the colours are okay. The colour, for much of it, it's very bland, but, again, they're facing an eclipse, so there's not much colour needed. Um, yeah, it's, uh, that's pretty good. Um, and obviously the green, actually a lot more colour with the, with the Hulk, the second part. Uh, and actually I, I do like Bill's, uh, rendition of the Hulk. If you look at 50, page 54, where the guy tries to stab the Hulk, um, I like the Hulk's facial features there. Very cool. Um, but, you know, he's just too strong. When he, when he clobbers the two guys together, I was half inclined to think that, you know, both of their heads would have been smashed in. I mean, it's, uh, maybe he'd have to just give it a love tap. I don't know. I was kind of thinking about that. It's like, he picks these guys up. Yeah. And it seems like he just breaks them on each other's back. It's like, yeah. What the hell? It's pretty violent, isn't it? And I'm surprised there's no blood shown. And then he just tosses them away, like. Yeah, it's really violent. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the Hulk just kind of like swats people like yeah. Moon Knight. Swats them all. But instead, he just kind of wrecks their entire skeleton yep. on the other guy's skeleton. They could really be cripples for life or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, because you'd think that he'd just like flick them with his finger or something because he's, he's so super powered. But, um, but Bill Sinkovich here, I guess he, he wanted to show, <laughs> he wanted to show a little bit of violence, um, and, uh, yeah, uh, even swatting, even swatting Moon Knight, I mean, maybe he's a skilled fighter, so he, maybe he rolled with the punch, as you hear a lot of early comics say, you know, if I hadn't rolled with the punch, I would have been a dead man, maybe he's done that, but, um, yeah, we're talking about the Hulk here, we're not talking about... You know, just some big, big thug. Uh, look, there were just a couple of notes here. Um, I put, uh, I put down down to earth. There was a very down to earth, nothing spectacular. It was a very simple story. Um, I'm thinking if it was a, it was filmed as an episode or something, it would be very simple to do. You just need an interior of Jason's place, and then you just got to find some woods somewhere, and just have three guys roaming around. Uh, that was basically it. Uh, so it was very down to earth tale again, uh, apart from the, the odd inclusion, as we mentioned before of the Hulk, um, that was it there. Uh, Chad, you also mentioned a note about Marlene. Yeah. Uh, once again, it was like at the beginning of, uh, what's his face? (laughs) It was, it was at the beginning of the entire story and, you know, there was commentary made, Hey, Marlene's gonna go off and do something. And yeah, and I guess she's gonna live her life. Oh, that's right. And then makes a comment about if I think it was uh, if I ever find him. Dot dot dot. Like, yeah, I'll kill the guy. Yeah, yeah right. He's, yeah, there's a bit. It's like premeditated murder. Is that <laughs> what's going on? Well, in in the least, it's um. It's showing a little bitterness, isn't it? So things haven't gone well with with both of them. Uh, and his mindset is, uh, obviously, he's a little pissed off at Marlene, and I'm assuming she's pissed off at him. And, uh, yeah, so she's uh, 
when she's seeing other people, which, you know, they're not, you know. It, happens, it seems to happen. We saw um, with the Rick Ball special in his Isla Ra comics, which was Moon Knight issue 13, I believe, uh, she was going out with a gentleman called Taylor. So uh, very much uh, an on-again, off-again relationship with Mark Spector, which is actually one of the one of the cool things I like to um, I like about their relationship. Um, although having said that, you have Mary Jane now and Peter Parker, kind of. Well, they're largely off now, aren't they? I believe so. Yeah, um... but. The thing with Marlene and Mark I really like is they seem to fluctuate so frequently, so constantly. Um, it's it's a really different dynamic between the two. So, um, yeah. So, uh, a nice, simple story for our classic run. It was self-contained, uh, found in the, in the one issue at the back of the Hulk. Um, Chad mentioned a, a pretty ripping story at the beginning with the Hulk and a very Pacific Rim-esque story and him and the military again if we got to go to our crescent art ratings for this chad just for the um let's just do it just for the moon knight story uh what would you give this out of five crescent darts i'm gonna be a jerk here and just say 2.5 ruined uh you know henchmen (laughs) no fair enough i mean no i i i totally can see where you're coming from um why would you give it, say, two and a half, then? Well, it's just... As much as I like the story style, mm-hmm. like you said, it's pretty straightforward. It's just a random happenstance out in the woods. There isn't exactly a lot of, uh, you know, story-driven plot here. It's mm-hmm. just kind of there. Congratulations. Have a battle royale. Yeah. And it, it, pretty much the only saving factor was the unique you know, storytelling and Sinkovich's art. Yeah. Like those, that, that's it. I would, I would have to agree with you. I think the standout for this would, uh, would be Munch's, uh, structure to the story and how he told it. Uh, but I also did like his, his use of the eclipse. And I think, as I mentioned a bit earlier, how the eclipse meant so much for different factors of the story. But overall, I totally agree with you, you Chad. It was, it was a little bland. It was just there was like it was a nothing story. It was actually a a pretty perfect backup story. There was nothing at stake. Um, it, it included the main um, protagonist of the of the magazine, which was the Hulk, uh, and it really yeah really didn't do much. Um, so I give it three. I'd say uh, three partial phases out of five uh yeah and uh look as i said it was enjoyable but um yeah nothing nothing really to write home about so there you go loonies that's uh five and a half which gives us uh 2.75 as an average crescent darts for this one so if uh if you can come across it um check it out if you want uh if you want to know a little bit about the eclipse <laughs> and if you want to see Hulk smash some skeletons, then then it's right up your alley. Hi, this is Dave. And I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. <laughs>
Okay, loonies. So we are up to our modern run now um, of Moon Knight by Charlie Houston, and uh, yeah, I'll um, I will throw it to to Chad to give us the bare bones for this issue. All right, this is Moon Knight, the Bottom, Chapter Six. Writer is Charlie Houston. Penciler is David Finch. Anchor. Danny Miki with Karamo Studios. Colorist, Frank D'Armada. The letter is VCs Joe Caramagna. Production by Paul Serios. Editor is Axel Alonso. And the publisher is Dan Buckley. We find the remaining committee members fleeing for their lives. Their only defense is Taskmaster, who upon recovery levels a crossbow at our hero, the Moon's Knight. The mercenary, as a sharper precision than most, demonstrates that with a shot to Moon Knight's chest that should sever connecting tissues to that muscle group, I can beat you. I'm better than you. I'm so much better than you, you can't win. You have to die. Taskmaster unsheathes his long blade and drops the point straight at our Avenger's right eye. Yes, kill me. Where the scene to be kneeling in submission, Mark Spector throws open his moonlit cape to reveal he was crouching, waiting for Tony Masters to get closer. Now armed with the spiked cestus, this divine murderer was ready for work. See if that works this time. No violence necessary upon standing. The roles are reversed and now Taskmaster is prone and disarmed. Leave me alone! Leave me alone! Crescent dark gleaming by the pale moonlight. The criminal underworld has heard enough of the bloody works. And now, Tony fears that his face may be the next to be scraped from skull by as a present to the god of vengeance. Make it stop, please. Sweet screams and paralyzed onlookers as bloody white gloves go to work peeling back layers from the adversary. Like a jack-o'-lantern, Moon Knight holds up the prize while a crying bloody boy screams under the weight of his wrecking. It is revealed that it's only the iconic skull mask of the hired hand that has been torn from its place. Injured but far from beaten, Knight takes Rook, as well as the dossiers and information they held about the white clad Avenger. His revenge delivered, the fist of Khonshu flies into the night. As a pinstriped profile pukes into a gutter, as he nears his crappy apartment in the city, Mark Spector lands as if delivered to Marlene from the hands of the moon itself, safely in a grassy park. At Specter Galleries, we find the namesake cutting off another face, the face of a defeated Avenger. He holds the razor with practiced hand and looks to the mirror, removing rows of feral beard. Trusty Samuels by his side, Mark will do for himself for now. 
a rehabilitated Mark asked for a certain archaeologist out for lunch. But after several interrupted acknowledgments, no. Mark goes to check on Jean-Paul Duchamp, of course, settling in like a champ, getting fitted for some new legs. Not much to say about the horror they've been through. Just a little comment on how Mark can help him into the therapy pool. The stone-faced and sour in town. Swift to work, swift to play. Mark is on the case to discuss fiscal dealings with a broker by the name of Hal Parkinson. One of his last investments was in DNA sequencing in a certain Deus Incorporated. Count is going public with a cheap and quick way of sequencing any DNA. Mark will throw that money straight into criminals once again. Reports on the news circle like sharks around his recent assault on an anonymous building, crashing his mooncopter for dynamic entry. It's been a month and no sign of a knife. In the black of an empty television, there's a grim specter of a faceless man enticing the bloodlust deep in the ex-mercenary. Indeed, when is he not their support? Samuels interrupts, bringing the strange but endeared Bertrand Crawley into the room, to which he asks about making some tea, knowing Mr. Crawley's penchant for the stupid stuff. Jake apologizes to Crawley for terrible behavior, being an ass. Bertrand casts it off, insisting upon desisting. Confusion, some he said about who sent who. Morad ends drawn from with no answers. As the sun goes down, a defaced bushmaster creeps out from around the shadow of Conchu's statue. There to remind Spectre of his best work, no nabby pandy crap, though this last spree was effective in making the highlight reader, sorely lacking blood, spoken from round sharpened teeth. Ignoring the ghost of Sain's past, Mark moves the tool set. He figured it out. Hammer in hand, he sets upon also a moving statue of Conchu's face, pointing out the futility and breaking the statue when the problem is in Mark's head. He's reminded about how much the god has done for Mark. Three deaths, and Kachi continues to pick up the check. A little diplomacy, and Mark knows he's owned. Mark feeds him beer, and Kachi delivers blood for Mark to drink. With nightfall, Mark is missing and doing his Lord's work. With the committee's dossier, on the profile, he goes to work. Ascending, Mark gets his trajectory and slams through the window, where the profile stands naked with a bottle in hand. Unaware of the impending revenge, the Moon Knight takes his hands and draws them away from covering eyes. With the red neon of the city to illuminate them, Mark intimidates the small man to look at the Avenger and reveal what he sees, to which the man can only panic and cry. Back in the gallery, Mark hosts some event and he is drawn away to Conchu's bus. How can he live like this? Blood spilled or yet to be spilled? 
as long as it can reap a whole life from it, how could it live any other way? A clock face, viscera on at 1.25. Two voices on about the closure of some incidental problem. We wouldn't have to live like this after all. A fist juts out into the face of the clock as a corpse sits in disarray on a circle of blood. Numbers 1 through 12. Mark isn't the only one who could never live any other way. Next, Midnight Sun. Thank you, Chad, for the bare bones. Yes, a, a ripping issue here, um, kind of tying things up, but also kind of leaving a little a little morsel for us to chew on um, for the next arc coming up, which is, again, another exciting arc, but we'll, that is for another time. Um, yeah, as always, uh, let's start off with first impressions, Chad. What did you find, or how did you find this issue? I... I really liked it. Mm. I mean, it's kind of my digs. I'm really into horror. Yes. And I'm really into the hyperviolence. You know, it's pretty cliche, very American of me. But, <laughs> uh, I also really liked how it concludes the uh, entire arc. The way that it just wraps it up into, you know, once again, Spectre is Khonshu's puppet. Yes. Like, that's what's going on here. There's nothing else about it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how you dress it up. Like, we can do this the hard way, or we can do it the easy way. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just gotta get in line with it, man. Yeah. It is. It has a very kind of grim ending, doesn't it? If, we, if we're if we not to look at um, the next arc, which was like an epilogue almost, but yeah, on this, the bottom, yeah, as you say, a very grim. Uh, we'll get into that with the four main aspects, but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this well. I think it, um, I think it tied up as you say, very well. Uh, Houston uh, sticks, sticks the landing on this one. Um, and we we still get... Um, I get the rest of his other peripheral characters, like the profile is is still seen there. Uh, we, we get a tie-up of uh, him and Taskmaster. Um, and, yeah, again, I think it just shows how driven and how brutal Moon Knight is in this run. Uh, so, yeah. Really, really enjoyed this. Um, okay, uh, Chad, uh, can I? I'll ask you what would be one of your main aspects of this issue. I think when it comes to the aspects in this one, um, it's gonna have to rely entirely on Moon Knight, mm-hmm. like himself, like the Moon Knight persona. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that you know he's been out of commission. And he's just not in good shape. Like, one of the things I cover is, you know, he's at the, you know, uh, bathroom mirror shaving. Yeah. It's like, we only ever see Mark with stubble or beard mm-hmm. if he's, I don't know, locked up in an asylum and can't handle blades. Or, you know, if he's been really out. And he has a really long beard here. Mm. Like, it's pretty significant. Kind of looks like Wolverine. <laughs> 
And, uh, yeah, he's just not doing so good. And even Frenchie is getting, you know, fitted for some new legs. I did, you know. yeah, I did like that actually, though, because it showed some sort of, um, well, at the end, it was only one page, but it, it did show some sort of resolution between the two of them, in a sense. Yeah, it was, you know, just a, oh, it's, you know, it's no problem, you know, Mark, it's, mm. and, uh, yeah, it's just, everyone is not doing so hot here, like, especially Tony Masters. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Yes, um, and and it's interesting that you pointed that out as well, Chad. And I find um, al- almost uh, it's kind of like you see it in the movies as well when when someone cleans himself up. So like when Mark does the shaving and he cuts his hair, it's it's very symbolic of him. Okay, now turning a new leaf and go. Okay, I have decided to go down this direction. And so yeah, as you as you mentioned, um, the first thing he does. Uh, after he shaves, Samuels uh, asks him, you know, do you want me to drive you today? And he's just staring at the conscious statue and Mark says, no, I'll drive myself. So he's taking the first steps of of really taking his, his destiny and his life in his own hands after being in such a dip, in such a depression that we saw at the beginning of the arc. And, um, you know, he later visits Marlene as well, uh, and yeah, and then he, and then he visits Frenchie. So he's he's starting to try and reconnect with his friends, um, and and his important um, you know friend base. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it was um, you did mention um, Taskmaster, and I, I wanted to go back to that as well. And yeah, he doesn't fare too well, does he? Um, and this was one of my aspects about Moon Knight returning to the fold as a superhero, and we saw it when he crashed. Uh, he crashed the moon copter or the moon jet into the in the building. He is driven. Um, so this is at the very beginning of the of the issue, and uh, he's just taking the crossbow hits from Taskmaster. This is a, a human being, right? Moon Knight is not super powered, or he's not Luke Cage, um, but and he's beaten up already, and he's taking these arrows to the to the chest and to the arm, and he's still charging ahead. And uh, he ends up going a little crazy here, and he has a flashback of him and Bushman, uh, and so he takes out one of his crescent darts and he starts carving the face of Taskmaster as well, which uh totally horrifying for Taskmaster, but um, thankfully he's got a mask on, so Moon Knight just carves off the, the mask, um, but leaves, as you said, leaves Taskmaster in a not-so-good state at the end. Yeah, it just kind of uh, blanks out what he's actually done to Taskmaster. Mm. Like, yes. he takes the you know mask off, sure, but it's Taskmaster. He wouldn't just fall over, going, "Oh no, stop, yeah. please!" Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, he puts these arrows into Moon Knight, and Moon Knight just kind of shrugs it, mm. and that's all we see. So it's like, what exactly did Spectre blank out? Yes. Like, what made Taskmaster fall over backwards? Why is he crying? Yeah. Yeah. And I would dare say that if Taskmaster didn't have his mask on, I'd say that Moon Knight would be carving his face off, similar to to Bushman. I'm not so sure about that. Like, I think it's one of the, like things about Spectre is, you know, 
he does this thing where at certain points of his time, you know, as Moon Knight, he'll do something horrifying. Mm-hmm. Just simply, like, this is an evil thing. What the hell have you done? Yeah. And then he'll go ahead and reference it. Like, he's uh, got the intention to do mm-hmm. it. But uses the fact that he's already... Oh, know, he's done it already. He's got the horribles, like, bloody hands on him. He doesn't have to do it. Okay. But if he scares you enough... Yeah. Then you get the picture. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, I thought he was just on a... Because you see him just thinking about his uh, glories that he had and stuff. I thought he was just in a in a trance. And he was almost repeating what he did with Bushman. But uh, yeah, yeah, he, very much so. He, he is a calculated um, sort of hero. So um, fantastic art here. I must say, I am a fan of David Finch. I know people, some people aren't, but... Um, I'm sh- I'm sure you're digging it as well. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh speaking about the art, um the cover art mm-hmm. on uh the bottom part 6. It's uh I don't know when exactly it happened, but the cover art shows, you know, Mark, you know, he's got his fists clenched as Moon Knight and you know, he's obviously been doing some battle mm-hmm. like he's kind of war-torn there. But the thing is, at one point of time, there's like all this uh, like white remnant all over the suit. Mm-hmm. And it's not very clear on what it is. It just kind of looks like it got sprayed with glue. Yeah, yeah. But that's because originally the cover art had all that glue, just dark red. Yeah. Like he's covered in viscera. Yeah, yeah. And they had to edit it. <laughs> it was just a little too far. <laughs> they thought, yeah, that's still available, the variant cover. And it's um, it's kind of well sought after as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was, um, yeah, very, uh, very heavy stuff indeed. Um, and so... Uh, if we look at, uh, I guess, further from what you were saying as well, um, the grimness of this of this issue uh, kind of falls into our third aspect, in, in which case I put in the notes here, Mark is Conchu, but as you say, Chad, as well, um, it's a realisation, a forlorn realisation that Mark is the puppet of Conchu. Um, and, you know, no matter how many like we see no matter how many times he tries to get away from it and the anger he has for it like he smashes the statue with a hammer um like because Conchu explains to him that he was the mastermind behind all of this like he influenced the committee like he he put these things in motion he influenced Bushman um for Mark to to come to this point only to kind of realize that yes you do serve me. Um, and that obviously angers Mark um, because it put his friends and it put himself in danger from Conchu. Uh, you know, you'd be pretty ang- angry too if you'd been manipulated like that. Especially Mark who, you know, when he has the time to be, he's very prideful of himself. Mm, yep. Like, I think it has a lot to do with how much he has to get through just to do anything mm. because he has to fight his you know, mental yes. you know, instabilities. Mm-hmm. He has to fight everyone basically calling him another crazy. Yep. And 
anytime he can actually do something for himself yeah. that isn't, you know, you know, more bloodshed. Yeah. You know, that's that's a win in his book. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Like, you know, he's been also not only his um his identities but also his perception as a as a superhero in the in the um in the current society, you know, he was seen up as a he was seen as a uh, like a, a B-lister, washed up kind of thing. So he's got everything kind of going against him. He's got even you know with Marlene as well. His relationships aren't going too well. Um, yeah. So uh, and then there's that page um, towards the end where, and that's why I put it as Mark is Conchu, where the visage of the um, the dead Bushman he points in a book of Avatar, and he says, "In the end, you are me." And the avatar, the definition is uh, the descent of a god to earth in incarnate form. So, um, yeah, it's 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 kind of very horrific to to think for Mark that this is what he is, and he meekly says as well before, "I'm not like you. I'm a hero." But it's it's this kind of revelation that no, 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 you're very well tied to Konshu, and uh, this is what you are. This is what you really are. So, very grim. And, um, and Chad, if we look at the next page, 21, I love the way that Finch works this in. It's just got Mark huddled against a Conchu statue in a in an empty room, and you only get the moonlight coming through, very dark, and there's just the, the laughing in the background. It's um, very good. So, yeah, it's very uh, typical. Like, this is what he usually turns to. It's... Mm. And then... It's... Sorry, it's just kind of depressing. It, it is. It is. It's it? his staple. It's not. A, but he always yeah. comes to this room. Yeah, yeah. It's not. He has not a very happy tale. Uh, Moon Knight in the in the Houston run. It's a very very tragic figure. Um, and you even have him after then. So out of desperation, kind of towards the end, he crashes into the profile's apartment, and. You know, after having heard this thing from Conchu, he wants to know um, who he really is, so to speak. So he's trying to force the profile to look at him. And he he says, look at me, look at me, tell me what you see. Because we know the profile is a mutant that can actually read people. Um, And so the profile looks into Moon Knight and he, he himself is horrified. So, you know, we delve deeper into the darkness here. Uh, someone that can actually read someone, what he sees, and we don't know what it is. Um, it's just something totally awful. So, uh, very grim. Yeah, the profiles, like, his eyes are bulging. Yeah. And, you know, the blood vessels are creeping their way along. Yeah. I mean, he mentioned earlier, in earlier issues as well, um, the supernatural beings, like Moon Knight, are usually harder to read anyway. But you can see here when Moon Knight crashes in and whether or not it's just because um, he's shocked at Moon Knight's entrance through the through the window. But he really does not want to look at Moon Knight or do anything. He is driven by fear, you know, and, and we get this sense that this is what Moon Knight does to everyone. They are so afraid. Uh, yeah, so, and I love it how they hang that in the air. Like, you just get that shot of the profile's eye and he just goes, oh, no, 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 no. You just don't know what he sees, but you can just imagine it's something just unspeakable. It also actually reminds me of when Psylocke had a look at Moon Knight's um, mind. 
back in the 90s in Mark Spector. And she had a little delve in there. And uh, she came up with horrific things as well, which were kind of more on the nose. They were shown on the, you know, on the nose, but um, the same sort of thing. Like his mind is totally messed up. Um, and finally, I guess the last aspect would be that, um, and drawing Chad more on literally the last page before the epilogue of, of Midnight, we have Mark accepting, embracing his destiny. And if I can just read this out, he said, um, uh, last couple of pages. So after he meets a profile, we see a shot of Mark flying down just of his past actions. And he goes, still, someone has to do this. Still, someone has to do the fun stuff. Still, the blade must praise its Lord. Still, people want to know, how can I live like this? The blood I've spilt, the blood yet to be spilled. Still, the answer is the same. How could I live any other way? And so, um, I don't know. I think that's a really nice way to end it for Mark. Um, he he was totally against it, but he almost kind of... And, you know, imagine the guilt, and it, it's mentioned in the Bemis run as well, the guilt he has as a mercenary. He's got all this blood on his hands, all this red on his ledger, Um but he's kind of coming to the terms that this is who he is. Yeah, and uh, a couple of points on that page that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's him in the hall, uh, probably you know Grant Mansion, mm-hmm. and you know it looks like Marlene is there in the hallway. Yeah, and then it cuts to uh, you know Mark looking at the defaced Conchu statue again, mm-hmm. and. I just want to say, he looks a lot like Frank Castle here. He does, doesn't he? The middle panel? Oh, the middle and the the one on the right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that middle panel in between the uh, other two. Yeah. It's, that's pretty uh, Punisher Max. Like, <laughs> that's on the dot. <laughs> yeah. But also, when it comes to the very last panel, it, the how could I live any other way, mm-hmm. it's obviously showing that he is with a female figure, yes. and Kanchu promised that he would have everything back mm-hmm. as long as he was serving. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that people kind of forget about. It's like, yeah, he's, you know, this dark passenger in Dexter's terms, mm-hmm. but uh, at the same time, he's a god. Yeah. He can deliver things that he promises. You just have to do the legwork. Yeah, yeah. You have to make some sacrifices. And, um, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, very well picked up there, Chad, as well. It's it's right. He So it's it's an acceptance of his destiny, but almost it's almost as if um, he's kind of giving in to it as well, you know, rather than just accepting it, because he does get some stuff from Conchu. Like, he, look, he, he's reunited with Marlene, and we can only assume his relationship with Frenchie is a lot better as well. But it comes it comes at a price, you know, and that's um, and that's what's kind of tearing him apart. Because, because again, as I mentioned, like in the Bemis run, Mark Spector is a mercenary. Okay, so he's he's a fighter, but he is someone that would kill only, you know, if he if he has to. He's really trying to limit it. And it's Jake later on the taxi driver that's a bit more of the loose cannon. So there's a lot of um, conflict within Mark's mind here. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, a really good way to end it. And then there's a little bit at the end there, Chad of, of Midnight um, sets up for the next one. Um, but we'll, you know, that's that's for another time, I guess. Um, so having gone through that, well, let's hang on. Let's just have a look at any notes. Um, oh, I think we've mentioned that all anyway. Um, Mark cutting off Taskmaster's face. Mark and Frenchie buddies again. And uh, what does the profile see? So yeah, they were little uh, little points there. Um, I'll ask you again, Chad. Crescent Dart ratings. What would you give this little baby? I would give it a very solid four. Yeah, yeah, cool. Four, um, four hammers, four razor blades. <laughs> I think I'm gonna mark it up as yeah, razor blades is good. Four razor blades. Okay, four out of five. That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, from what you mentioned before, this is right in your wheelhouse. This sort of horror, ultra violence, the art. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, these were the things that you liked about it most, yeah? That, and, you know, just, it's a perfect summary, it's a great way to wrap it up. Yeah. It's just right there, it's on the dot, this is what we needed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, I'd give it four and a half as well, I really did enjoy this, uh, and, uh, as we mentioned, it's a really good way to, to end the first arc, it it kind of wrapped things up, um, the real thing that hit home for me was, you know, his relationship with Conchu at the end, which was a really, um, really heavy to actually uh, absorb when you read it. Uh, but also how tough Moon Knight was, like at the beginning with Taskmaster and just battling through. Um, I, you know, I think that was really, really cool. So four and a half, uh, four and a half um, arrows to the chest. I'm there, yeah, very tough, um, yeah, and so that would give us um, eight and a half, four point two five as an average there. So my maths is getting better. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those are our, um, those were the two runs that we had for this uh, episode. Definitely, definitely check out this Houston run. Um, we seem to always. Um, recommend it to any loonies who are, or any readers who are keen to dive into Moon Knight. Uh, the first six issues uh, would really give you a taste of a darker uh, Moon Knight, but um, some would say is their favourite depiction of Moon Knight. Uh, available on Comixology, uh, Marvel Unlimited. Um, also, you can still get the floppies, and it's available in trade as well, both in paperback and hardcover. So a little harder to find, but um, if you do, I'm sure you can find it. Uh, all right, well, that pretty much wraps us up for this show, um, Chad. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. I uh, hope you enjoyed yourself. Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, do you want to read us out um, the next phase, actually, our next episode? We'll be looking at two other books. Looks like we're going to be doing the Marvel 2-1-1, Volume 1, mm-hmm. Number 52, mm-hmm. and Moon Knight, Volume 7, Number 1. Yes, so, Loonies, this was... Uh, I put this out to the Loonies out there in the Facebook group. Uh, which next modern run do you want to tackle? And it's Issue 7, which uh, Volume 7, which is the Warren Ellis run. So, very excited to to look at those six issues by Warren Ellis. That should be a cracker. Um, as always, you can find us uh, on 
any good podcast catcher. Uh, and we have uh, various social platforms which you can drop a line, say hello, um, share your thoughts. Uh, we've got email at itkmoonnight at gmail.com. Uh, we're at Facebook at facebook.com slash itkmoonnight. We have a Facebook group, a uh, fantastic group of loonies there at facebook.com slash group slash itkmoonnight. Our Twitter handle is at ITKMoonNight and our blog site is intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com. So uh, that will have all our show notes and all our um, episode summaries and bare bones there for your reading pleasure. Um, So yeah, like I said, it's been a blast. Um, Thank you once again, Chad. Have you got, what's, uh, just before we go, what's on your reading list to, um, to come up now, today or tomorrow? My reading list right now is primarily Shadow Man. Oh, yeah. I'm going all the way back. Have, oh, you, you have hit gold there. You're going all the way back beyond um, beyond the current Valiant VEI? Yeah, it's the old, old, ah, old school awesome. stuff. You've got to let me know how it goes. I'm a, yeah, I, I really do dig Shadow Man at the moment. Um, are you reading the regular run, like the current run? I was just going to go ahead and start at the beginning and work my oh, way forward. Oh, okay, okay. It's, uh, it's really cool. Uh, a lot of people, some people think it's a little a little average, but I, I really like it. Um, yeah, oh, cool. Let me, oh, I'm interested to know how you, how you, um, what you think of that. Um, all right, thanks again, once again, Chad. And uh, as we say, yep, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.